welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. speaker, best-selling and award-winning author, and a radio host. Charmaine's presentation is entitled, Seven Strategies to Kicking Off the New Year with a Bang. Welcome, Charmaine. Hi, thanks for having me. I love talking about this topic. <laughs> Excellent. Well, since we're only a short distance away from the new year, we're all anxious to hear, what are your seven strategies? Oh, well, there, there, you know, there's so many, and I had to boil it down to seven, or we could have been on this call for hours and hours, <laughs> which might not be great for your listeners. One of the things that's so important in terms of kicking the new year off with a bang is, first of all, doing what I call the review and learn process. And this is great for authors to be able to look at what was successful in 2013, what are the habits, the practices around your book and your uh, the how-to strategies that you have in your book. What can you bring forward into 2014? What didn't work so well? And what are you going to leave behind? One of the learnings I've had as an author, especially when my first book came out, was that I was spending all kinds of time being busy and doing lots, but nothing that some of the activities actually didn't help my book, help my author platform, or help me in the marketing area. So I had to get diligent at doing what I call the review and learn. And the review and learn simply has four questions that are quite simple but very powerful. And the first one is what worked well? So when you think about your book, your how-to book, what worked well for you in 2013? The second question is what was a challenge? So what were some of the roadblocks you hit? What were some of the marketing angles that didn't work? Did you get some feedback from the people that read your how-to book and, and they were able to provide you with some some details, some constructive feedback that you can take into the new year. So what worked well? What was a challenge? Third question that I love is what will I do differently? So we're into a new year right around the corner. What can you do differently? And then the fourth question in the review and learn process is what did I learn? And I don't know about you, but so many of my best strategies have come from learning what I'll never do again. <laughs> And I don't like to call them failures. They're just learning opportunities. So that's the first part of the seven strategies is taking time to do the review and learn. And this is something that we do every year now in our book business. And it's really helped me um, continue the strategies that work. And it's kind of become our template, actually, where I just use the strategies that are working and carry them forward into my next book. And what I love about that is that with book number one or wherever you are in your book process getting started, what you can do is create this template that systematizes everything else for your future books and saves you time, money, and energy. Which is what we all need. We all need more time, <laughs> money, and energy. Exactly. That's <laughs> so that's the first strategy that I like to talk about for the, the new year. The second one is to, do, to do, do your whole blog and social media plan in advance. This is something that I started second year into my book. I didn't figure this out 
first year into my book. And I wish I had because I saw how much duplicated efforts I was creating. So now what I do is the first strategy that I use to um, market the book, whether they're going to current clients as a marketing or a seeding tool, or whether I'm trying to get the message out into the world in a, in a bigger way, the first thing I do is I look at calendars to see where there's a fit between the certain days of the year or those holidays of the year that fit with the content of my book or the how-to strategies of my book or the client that I'm going to be giving that book to as a marketing tool. So I'll give you an example. I actually bought a calendar a couple of years ago, I think it's four years now, from a colleague of mine, Troy White, and he's researched every holiday that exists that he could find. There's even a national gum-chewing holiday. Who knew? And there's a clean your, <laughs> clean your dog's teeth day, international oh holiday. Now, for some of you listening, that might not be a fit, but clean your dog's teeth day was a fit for me because we have a book about our dog. And so it gave me a new marketing angle, another way for me to reach out to my clients and share my book as a marketing strategy. So when, and I can, I have links available if people want to know where to find these calendars. There's many of them that are online that are just free and it lists all the different business related holidays, health related holidays, um, uh, days that have been pro proclaimed as a certain event national day. And that's how we plan our marketing strategy, one of them, anyways, related to blogs and related to social media. And then, of course, I maximize my time by posting in advance a lot of tweets into Twitter through Hootsuite. Mm -hmm. So that's marketing angle number two that we've been using is that whole strategy of systematizing social media in advance and tagging on to those calendars and those special holidays in the year. Right. Strategy. Is there a particular link that you use uh, uh, with all of the calendar dates? Um, there's several, and I can send them to you after, Judy, if you like, and, uh, and if you're able to get those out to um, your listeners. There's several, and you know how I found them actually was by accident. I was just Googling. I was doing some marketing for our dog book and um, on Toby's terms, and, and I needed to figure out what are the dog holidays, and I just Googled dog holidays, and I could not believe what came up. There are Take Your Dog to Work Days, National Walk Your Dog Days, Play Fetch Day, and, and so even just Googling the genre of your book, so for example, if you have a how-to book on social media or marketing strategies or health, if you Google special health holidays or social media days, it's amazing what comes up. Who knew? <laughs> right. So that's number uh, number two, and I'll definitely send you the link for your group. Um, number three that we've really, really been working on is also tagging on to the opportunities to take the, the how-to steps that we talk about in our book into other platforms so that we can expand our reach as an author and connect with audiences that may not just be our clients that we're sending the book to. So one of the things that I love to do is do articles, and I post them on a couple of different free article sites. The two that I use most commonly are eZine articles. That's E-Z-I-N-E, eZineArticles.com. And the other one, because a lot of the writing that I do corporately in the area of leadership, team building, and resilience, those topics are a great fit for the, the article site called SelfGrowth.com. And these are article sites that an author can 
register for free. So there is no cost. And I love free. <laughs> so you can register for free and you can post articles on there. So I do a lot of linking back between the how-to books and my the how-to steps in my book and then positioning it in the article, definitely writing in a way that I'm using some good search engine optimization and tag words. But it's another way for me to promote that how-to book um, as a marketing tool with a platform I don't currently get in front of. So that's another one that I love. Then, of course, it's an opportunity. Authors love to write, so it's a great opportunity to be writing in a different format. Right, do you use other platforms besides articles? Those are the two that I've used most commonly. Interestingly enough, uh, the coach and mentor that we're working with in our business actually sent me a whole directory. There's a link, and I can send that to you as well, Judy. There's a link that has a whole directory of article sites that are all free, which was really exciting for me. Many of them were ones that I'd not heard of yet. And so, it's again, it's an opportunity for me or any author to get their book in front of a brand new audience. Okay. Thanks. The other part that I'm finding a lot of success with in, and that can be really helpful in taking your book to new levels in 2014 is blogging. And I'll be really honest, I was actually blog resistant <laughs> about four years ago. I just kind of didn't get the whole concept of blogging. And I was feeling that I was writing all the time. I was writing my books. I was writing the marketing materials. I was writing media releases. So I was doing so much writing that the whole thought of now doing something else like an article and a blog just seemed to be quite overwhelming. Although I've really seen a lot of benefits to blogs. And I, what it, the biggest benefit for me is it's allowing me to repurpose content. And so one of my books is actually half written from my blog post. So that was a fast and easy way, of course, to repurpose content. But I can also reverse that strategy. So it's a way for me to share those how-to tips through my blog, repurpose content that I've already got. And of course, our blogs we can share through social media and all the different formats. But I also send my blogs to my corporate clients. So we've started now really actively promoting the content from our blogs, which of course takes people to the book, the how-to book, and um, sending that in newsletters, in emails. And now we're actually using our blog as a bit of a seeding material just to let clients know that we're still here, we're still around, and we have a lot of great free content that can help them in their business. And we've actually found one client that we have is a corporate client, and they said that they've been posting our blogs in their corporate newsletter, which was just really exciting. Right, because that's great. <laughs> it is great. So I thought, oh, I have to share that tip with authors because I had actually never thought of asking our corporate clients to share that information. And one of them and a nonprofit group that we've done work with also came back and said, some of these articles are great for our volunteers and our board members. We're going to share these out in our, in our email communications. So I love it when people actually start repurposing your content and getting it out to their audiences. Right. So blog is number four. The other way that we've been promoting the how-to books and trying to gain traction in other areas is through media and press releases. And I love doing media. I have a radio show that I do myself as well as a host. I love being a guest on media. 
And I've really seen the connection for those authors that are listening that are selling their books. There's a real direct connection. We always see sales spike whenever I've been on TV um, or in the newspaper or other forms of media like um, magazines or radio. And the other piece is that when we've not been so interested about selling, but more about building our platform and support and interest for our book, our how-to guides, the media has allowed us to get access to an audience, again, that we've never been in front of, especially when the media is not just happening in our own local community. So one of the strategies we've been doing now is repurposing some of the content in brief format from our book through press releases. And there's seven or eight different free press release sites that we use to actually post our press releases on. And that's become a great strategy. It's resulted in media opportunities, which is wonderful to get new corporate clients or get our book in the hands of readers that we can't otherwise access. But the other piece is it just builds that name recognition. Great. So an can author's you name forward those, how um, I'm sorry, can you forward those sites to me as well? You betcha. And, there, and I only do the free uh, press, press release sites. And the piece I love about them is that all of them have a direct share from Twitter, Pinterest, uh, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So you can easily share these press releases, and they give you a PDF printout so that you can save that PDF press release with their logo so it looks very official, and it's easily shared with your local media. And we actually put those in our press kits as well. So I'd be happy to share the links for all the free ones. There are um, press release sites that you can subscribe to. I simply don't do enough press releases to um, see the return on investment. Our publicist, however, um, is a member of many, and she certainly sees um, quite a good return on investment, but she's doing press releases every day for authors. Mm-hmm. So press releases are great. I love press releases. I love media. I kind of see those two as two topics. The other piece that I've seen to be really important for us is getting reviews. Even if the how-to book is not on a site like Amazon, many authors, and we have one book actually that I don't have on Amazon. It's not really for sale through the, the public world. It can be accessed through our website, but really it's a, a book that I created for seeding and marketing strategies. And that book you won't find on Amazon to be able to put a review. But what we have found so helpful is when our clients have read the book and, and really like the book and they send us an email or a Facebook message to say, we loved your book, I've been circling back and asking them for endorsements. And that's, a, that's an area that I think a lot of authors forget about is the power of those testimonials. And uh, we've used those testimonials for our book in many ways, other, traditional marketing for sure on our website and in our social media. But we've also get, given or received permission from some of our clients who have read our book to be able to have a further conversation with them and use them as a case study in our, in our blog, for example, or in our articles. So it really starts to create a reciprocal relationship and goes beyond, well beyond the review. And reviews are so important for your next book that comes out because you can use the testimonials from people who love your first book when you're now sharing your second book with new audiences. Right. That's a great point. So testimonials are important. And number seven, I'm going to say the big number seven for me um, about making 2014 the best year for your business is to systematize everything you do. (laughs) 
And I didn't learn this lesson to probably two years into the book process. And I was learning that there were so many activities that I was doing related to marketing, writing, and the books that we have for sale, selling as well. So many activities that I was doing that were duplicate activities. I was repeating them over and over and over again, and I didn't have any system. So I was rewriting copy for emails. I was researching these holiday websites over and over and over again. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a lot of waste of time that I could use to write my next short how-to book or connect with clients to, to get the book into their hands. And so I started to look at systematizing everything I do. And, and I, I do that through a couple of mechanisms. I don't know about anyone listening, but I can get lost on social media. I mean, I can lose hours. <laughs> you go on Facebook to put a post, and three hours later, you're still on Facebook. So one of the things that I started to do related to systematizing the book and marketing practices in our business was to use a timer. And I now time all the activities so that I stay focused, my energy is high, and I'm actually accomplishing what I set out to do. So the timer is the first part of systematization. The second part, though, is to, for all of those duplicated tasks. I'll give you an example. Um, with media, for example, we were just on some TV programs about a month ago, and it was related to a book that we do have for sale. And one of the systems that we have is every time we're on media, we call the local bookstore and by phone. So we, you know, we bypass the email system. We simply get on the phone with the professionals in the bookstores around the area of where that media is going to be happening, and we let them know that we're going to be on CTV or BTV, and that they may want to order our book. And they do right while we're on the phone. So that's a system. So now part of the system I have is a script that I've created with the ISBN numbers and the how to go about ordering and when we're on TV. And I, that way I can actually delegate that task to somebody else. I've had my niece do it. I've had other family members do that for me. So that's an example where books are for sale, that you can systematize a practice that you do all the time. The other piece for us, for the books that we're sharing with our clients, simply as a marketing tool, like our Bounce Forward book, there's many activities that I repeat. So we give them a sample, one chapter of the four books, of the four uh, areas of content in that book. So they get the first chapter. And what I was finding is that I was missing the mark on following up with them after. So I'd send them a chapter, and then I didn't follow up, I didn't reconnect, I didn't put their email anywhere, I didn't have a strong database, and I wasn't organized that way. So what I did is everything that I do now is in spreadsheets, in calendars, and to-do lists that I just replicate over and over and over again. And not only has it increased our efficiency and our communication with the individuals that we're giving our book to as a marketing strategy, it's really helped me now create that platform for every book that comes out again. The system is right there. I don't have to recreate it. It's right there, and I know that it's worked. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So systematization saves you time, money, and uh, certainly can really reduce your stress. Those are the seven areas that I think are really useful as you move into the new year. And I, I guess if there was a bonus strategy, I would say do, do what's fun. <laughs> There's a lot of things in the, the whole author world that have to be done that aren't fun. Uh, so every day I try to build in a task that just is fun for me because it, just, it simply inspires me to do the other tasks that 
are not a lot of fun or that are complicated. And the other piece that I found really helpful is is that if it's not your genius, um, hire someone or find someone whose genius it is. And I'll give you an example of that. We've now started uh, creating wraparound products and services for our how-to books so that we can share our how-to strategies as a marketing tool, but in different platforms other than just a print or an ebook. And so we've started creating these little mini videos. And I don't want to learn how to edit a video. It takes me hours. I tried. I, I end up deleting my video. <laughs> I put the wrong one up on Facebook. So I've learned that I am not a good video editor. But I have a husband who enjoys that. And I also have a nephew who really enjoys video editing and knows how to navigate through YouTube and some of the other platforms where you can post video. He's right out of high school. He loves to do it. It's fun for him. So we now give our nephew, Andrew, all of the YouTube and, and, and some of the video work. And he loves it because we put gas in his car. <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a win-win. You got it. Right. So if it's not your genius, find someone to help. Can you explain for people who aren't familiar with the concept of wraparound products exactly what, what that is? Absolutely. I love talking about wraparound products, and this is a little new for us. And the concept came to us through our business coach. He was looking at our book, uh, the one that is not for sale on Amazon. It's a how-to book that we use for marketing and seeding. And we have it in print format. And at that time, he said, Charmaine, I really want you to start thinking about this book as a wraparound book and, I, and having wraparound products and service. And I thought, what is that? And he said, what would happen if you took this small book and had it available in other formats other than just the print format? So, of course, the obvious for me was having a PDF book. So that was an obvious one. But he said, well, what else? How could you create nine more? And I thought, holy smokes, nine more products. And he took a look at the book and he said, you know, this book is actually divided into four very distinct concepts or areas that are each a little different from each other. So he said, what about if you had the, the small book available in the traditional print format, you had it available in the PDF format, but what about if we took the book now and divided that small book into four smaller books of the four content areas? So we did that. We created four smaller ebooks out of those areas. So that gave us another four products. So now we're up to six, the print, the PDF, and then the four smaller e-versions, PDF versions. Then he said, you got to find some more. <laughs> so I thought, audio, I could do audio. So we actually audioed each of the four books and then, of course, combined those four audios into one large book. So that gave us five more products. Now we're surpassing his goal of nine for us. And the audio we did on our own. We didn't go into a studio. We did that on our own with a digital recorder that we purchased. It's called H4, and it's made by Zoom, and it's studio quality. It sounds like we were in the recording studio, and apparently it's quite easy to edit. I get the genius of my husband <laughs> to help do that. But that's one example of having wraparound products, so it's the same content that we've delivered now in several different ways. Now we're actually going to take those, we're in the middle of doing videos. So each of these four content areas that came from that one original small book, we're now taking the smaller content, or themes, I guess you could call them, 
from each of those four areas and making many how-to videos that follow the book. The language is the same, but I'm not reading the book as I was in the audio. It's a little more animated and engaging. And that's another format that we're using too. And of course, that is not something we're selling. That's a way of us getting our content in front of our audience as a marketing strategy. Great. Thanks. And, and I guess the other way that we create wraparound products and, stra and, and services is that related to our how-to books, we also speak. I'm a professional speaker, so I speak on those topics. I can speak on the four distinct areas as the whole book, or I also can speak on the smaller four sub-themes in the book. And speaking has been a great way for us to get our message out to the world, whether that's speaking live at events, or whether that's through teleclasses or webinars. And that's the other form of wraparound products and services that we've started to look at for the how-to books is around creating webinars. Mm -hmm. And we're getting a lot of interest from especially our corporate clients because it's easy for them to pop onto a webinar for 45 minutes. And again, for them, it feels like something of substance. It's something that they can share with their teams, they can watch with their teams. And of course, as the author, it's great for us because uh, I use the GoToWebinar platform simply because it's Charmaine-proof. <laughs> it just works for me. I press a button and it works. So I love the simplicity of it. And, of course, GoToWebinar creates a video recording of your, of your webinar. So it now becomes a product that you have to support your how-to book and your marketing strategies. And then the people who sign up for the webinar, I guess you could give them the recording in case they want to review what what they um, heard during the webinar. Exactly. And then what my what my team is now setting up is after the people get the webinar, which we haven't charged for, for example, it might be a free webinar, it might be one that has nominal fee, but part of our autoresponder system now is after about a week to 10 days after they get the webinar, then they'll get a chapter of that how-to book as a gift. And then they'll get another... Um, chapter or activity sheet that goes with the book. So it's also a way of us continuing to strategically stay in touch with people and provide them good quality content uh, through our books. And are you ultimately driving them to uh, some upsell package or program? We've done both. Um, in some of the marketing we've done, it actually drives them to our speaker website. Uh, so that's more for our corporate audiences that might be able to bring me in as a speaker either at a live event or through a webinar or teleclass for their team. And then in other cases, it is a way of us moving them towards an item that's for sale. And, and those items change depending on where we're at in our marketing strategies. So it might be inviting them to come on a webinar series that takes the knowledge from our how-to books a little bit deeper. Now, when you started out, Charmaine, you talked about reviewing the tactics that you implemented in this past year, 2013, so that you could identify what works the best for you that you want to continue doing in 2014. Mm -hmm. Have you done that exercise already? We're just going through it right now. And I, I <laughs> the list of what I'm dropping is actually a little longer than I anticipated. <laughs> Normally, it's the, the list of what I'm going to continue doing that seems to be um, so long. So we're in the process of reviewing and learning right now, not just for our books, but for all areas of our um, 
of our business. And one of the things that I created for myself, because I'm one of these visual people, so I need to have things written down uh, or in my computer, because if it stays in my head, I, I just get concerned that I'm going to lose that idea or lose that thought. So I tend to write everything down. And one of the pieces that I've started doing is, is using this review and learn actually as a little bit more of a daily practice. And I'll give you an example. I was just at a speaking event, so I was using the Bounce Forward book, the one that I created as a marketing strategy. That was the basis of my presentation. And I used the review and learn after I came back from that event to look at what went well with the event, what was a challenge, uh, what would I do differently, and what did I learn. And there were some key learnings. There were two challenges I had. One of them is that I had a pre-recorded interview with an expert that was an exquisite interview. So it was a way of me bringing somebody else's perspective on a topic that's in my book. Really short interview, 10 minutes. I had pre-recorded it. And the sound system, when it had to go through my computer, and of course it wasn't loud enough with the external microphone, so then you didn't have their sound system working. So I had to hold the handheld microphone up to my computer and it sounded awful. And I actually didn't play it because it sounded terrible when it projected sort of through three ways of, of um, audio technology. And so I did follow up with the clients and sent that to them as a, you know, as, a, as a bonus item after the presentation. But for me, I just thought that's a really critical learning that I have to have another way of playing really good interviews in a way that sound great um, other, if the equipment in the room doesn't work. So that's going to stick with me because it's written down. I did a review and learn right after that event. And I've done review and learns after different marketing strategies. We did a contest, for example, with our book that generated a lot of new likes on our social media page, a lot of new followers on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, but we ended up having some technology issues. So what, what we were trying to accomplish made it really difficult. The link kept breaking in the contest and people were posting their contest entry on Facebook and it created a lot of work for us to kind of have to take those posts and put them back into our system. So that was another example of something new that we had tried and the technology just didn't seem to fit for what we were doing. And so when I do a contest again, because they work great for our books, I'll do it a little differently. Okay, so, so what were some of the things that worked really well for you last year? Oh, some of the things that worked really well was repurposing my content. Oh, that was just one of my big, aha, I'm going to do that again. Repurposing content through blogs, through articles, through using parts of our book as content in newsletters. And what I found, there was a bonus to that. Not only did it um, save us time and money and energy, but the other bonus is that I noticed that it started to put out a congruent message for the readers. They started to really get a sense of who we are and what our brand is. So that was kind of like a, an added bonus. That's number one that I'm going to continue. The second thing I'm continuing is spreadsheets. As much as I resist spreadsheets, <laughs> I'm not savvy in Excel, but I know enough about Excel to be able to create a good spreadsheet. And I'll give you an example. Um, the first year our book came out, I didn't have a spreadsheet of media contacts. And I would find some media contacts, email them, and would save it in a way that wasn't easy to replicate or use. So, for example, in a Word document or, or Sometimes I couldn't even find where I had stored it in the computer. So I spent some time this year organizing my computer because it's getting more and more information. 
uh, in files. And I needed to have a way that I could navigate through my filing system in an organized way and have it make sense to other people, people on my team. That's something that I'm going to continue doing, is making sure that I spend that little bit of time up front to organize those files so that they can easily be given to someone else to help me if I get too busy. And the spreadsheets have been a wonderful strategy. for One example is I now have a spreadsheet of every media opportunity that I've had. And then I have another spreadsheet that has the links to all of those free press releases that I sent out. I would save that link onto one Excel spreadsheet. And why that's been really handy is it, first of all, shows me which of the, I can click on those links, go back into the free press release site, and see which ones are getting the most interest. And I can look at why, are, why did this press release get virtually minimal interest, and why did this one have thousands of views in the first hour? What's the difference? So it helps me to be a little more analytical and discerning about some of the choices we make. So spreadsheets is a definite yes for next year. And the other piece, I think, is uh, that I'm definitely going to continue and something that I'm always going to be working on is staying in touch with our readers in a much closer fashion through many different avenues. And that whole relationship piece is so important for us as authors. And I, in 2014, that is one of my commitments to our team, to our readers, is to stay in touch with them more often, but in helpful way, ways, not necessarily salesy ways, but in helpful, content-rich ways. So it builds a relationship for life. Great. Thanks. And what about the things that didn't work out well? <laughs> Some of the, I, uh, one of the things that uh, was a challenge that I'm going to kind of leave behind is how much time I spend on social media. So that's where I started implementing the timing. So the timer I'm going to use. But there are certain platforms on social media that didn't really serve me well, that I don't really know how to use, that I'm going to leave behind. One example is Empire Avenue. I signed up for that platform. My colleagues have, have become masters with Empire Avenue. I just It was one more thing to learn, one more thing I needed to be consistent with, and I didn't really have the time. And so I'm going to leave that one behind. It wasn't a platform that particularly served me or the people who read my books very well. They're not on that platform. Great, thanks. And I think if there was one more piece that I'm going to leave behind, it's going to be the whole, con I guess what I'm going to leave behind is activities that don't generate results. And there's many things that we get busy with, I think, in our author business that are either fun because it's the creative side of us coming out, or it allows us to feel like we've accomplished something but it didn't necessarily generate a result in some form. And I'm one of my goals for 2014 is to be a little more discerning about what I say yes to. And I've kind of got this belief that if our hands are busy holding so many things, so many tasks, so many responsibilities, and so many opportunities, if our hands are really full there's with stuff that's just okay, there's no room to put the opportunities that are awesome that are the big yeses. So one of my 2014s is to spend a little more time discerning between what I say yes to and what I take on versus what would be fun on a rainy day if I had the time, but it's not really a fit for right now. So that's a big one for me. 
One of the tactics that my coach has recommended, and I think you know my to- my coach, Terry Levine. Yes, um, love she, Terry. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She suggests that for each of the tactics, you evaluate how effective it was, how much time you spent on it, and how much money you spent on it. So mm. if something had high effectiveness, but it was high cost and high time, that's not as good as something that's maybe medium effective, but very low cost and very low time. So you need to look at all three factors, not just how, what kind of results you got from a tactic. You you also need to take into account the the time that it took and, uh, and the cost. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And the cost is so so critical. There's so many things that we can take on in our author business that are even small amounts of money, but they really add up over the course of the year. And if they didn't serve you well, then it might not be something that you bring forward. So I, I love that strategy of Terry's. It's, those are three great questions to ask yourself for sure. Now, Charmaine, I know you've done a lot of um, work with publishers. Have you some tips to share with uh, the audience on what publishers specifically want authors to know to take their book to the next level? I love that question. I'm really glad you asked it because that was one of our big learnings. I've interviewed a lot of publishers, and we have a publisher um, that we're working with on our adult books and some of our children's books as well. And she's an author, so she comes to it from the experience that everyone listening has, writing the books, getting the books into the hands of readers, creating the marketing strategies. Our publisher has done all that for her own books, and I think that's why I just feel so blessed to have the guidance from Betty Young's. And one of the things that she said to me that was just, just is in my brain permanently is she said, when you're marketing and when we're writing, one of the best things to remember is to be bright, be bold, and be gone. This really helped me in my writing because I had an issue of sort of running on and on and on um, in a point in, 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 in a writing process, in a, in a book. And so she would look at it and say, be bright, be bold, be bold, and be gone. And I've actually applied that strategy into other areas of our business, into how we market our, our services and our products as well. One of the things that I've heard publishers say time and time again that is so helpful and is probably one of the big determinants in their decision to take on an author or not is that author's platform, that author's reach. So what I mean by that is it goes well, a reach in a platform goes well beyond how many followers you have on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest. It's also about that author's presence out there in the world. And many publishers have told me that if you have an author who is not only an author, but who also speaks, then that starts to raise a lot of the yes flags from that publisher in terms of, will we take on this author into our publishing firm? Or will we take on this book? Because we all know that even with a publisher, a lot of the marketing of your book, a lot of the marketing of your platform comes onto the author's shoulder. It isn't just that you get a publisher and they take over everything and and the book becomes a New York Times bestseller. There's a lot of marketing that the author also has to take on. But when a publisher sees that an author is on the ground, out there, 
building relationships, is connected to groups and organizations and businesses and audiences as a speaker, whether it's live or through webinars or other virtual platforms, that becomes reassuring to a publisher because he or she is thinking, okay, this is going to be an author that's going to be committed to getting their word out there, their message out there. Uh, the other piece that I've heard publishers say that are so important is that when authors have a good website, it doesn't have to be all flashy, but a good website that really clearly defines the book, the concepts, and who the author is, that is critically important, as well as a very solid, congruent social media platform. This was a big learning for us in 2013 because I actually have several platforms. We have this Charmaine Hammond corporate platform. We also have a, a platform that's relevant to our whole animal world, the book that I have about our dog, Toby. And it was becoming very confusing, as you can imagine. <laughs> you know, the marketing for corporate is so different than the marketing for the dog world. So we had to actually do some branding work. One of the things that I found is the tighter and the cleaner that our branding got, the easier it was for us to market our content, to market our books. And that was really helpful to publishers. When they can see that this author is very, very clearly identified in the marketplace and they have a strong bio, they've got a good web presence, this is really reassuring. And the other piece that I've learned from publishers is that they really encourage authors to pursue two types of, there's magazines and association opportunities that exist for authors. And this was news to me when we first got signed by a publisher. Short lead magazines are those magazines that are more of your, I guess you could call them your regional, your local magazines. Sometimes they actually have them in the, in the grocery stores as you're going out those sliding doors. There's a little stand of magazines that are free. Those are examples of those local or regional city type magazines. They're called short lead because they take, they're planning three to six months in advance about who is going to be in their magazine or what books, for example, your book in their magazine. And then long lead magazines are sort of the magazines like Oprah, Sports Illustrated, Success Magazine, Forbes, um, all of those magazines that we see in the bookstores and the Barnes and Nobles and chapters in Canada, they're on the newsstands. And they're called long lead because they plan nine months, more like a year to a year and a half in advance. And publishers have said to me that when there's an author that is working diligently to get their content, their brand, and their status as an author into short lead and long lead magazines. This goes a long way in helping a publisher market your book or even decide to take you on as an author. And part of our strategy, back to your earlier question about what will I continue in 2014, what I will continue is working towards getting magazine coverage in both short and long lead magazines. And they are a really important part of branding yourself as an author, promoting your book, promoting your how-to strategies. And the part I love about it is that it's free. We don't have to pay for it, but the return is absolutely enormous because it puts your, um, your book's message in front of an audience that you might not be able to reach through social media, through email campaigns and speaking events. Great. So how, how easy is it to get a book into one of these magazines? Well, I'll tell you the truth. The, the easier ones to get into are the short lead magazines. And, and I've, asked, I've gone back and asked the magazines that 
we've been in that are short leads, so our local magazines. I've asked them, um, you know, what is the value of an author sending you a press release or sending you an email pitch to feature their book or to do an article? And they've all come back and said, Charmaine, we love it when we get those emails because you've just allowed us to not spend hours searching for other content. So that was really reassuring for me to hear that, that I'm not driving people nuts by sending them these pitch letters and sending them a copy of a book to review or a link for them to review it. They actually like it because it's helping them build their magazine for the next three to six months and making sure that they've got content. So that has been, it's much easier to get into your local and regional magazines. Now getting into Oprah and all of those national, international magazines that are long lead, they are a much lengthier process. And what I've learned from our publisher and our publicist is this is where you want to get help. So if you're trying to get into McLean's or Sports Illustrated or Business Today, Success Magazine, Oprah, which is often many authors' dreams, you really want to hire a publicist because uh, what, what I've been told by publicists and by publishers, is that there's a very fine, delicate line to how you get your book featured in a long lead magazine like Oprah or Success Magazine. And there's rules to the game, and the rules are not always known by authors. I certainly don't know them all. And what was shared with me is that when we break those rules, you know, for example, if we just send a, our book to Oprah's office and we're not following the rules, it can actually hurt our potential to be ever featured, not just on that book, but it also doesn't show that we're respecting the process. So that was really valuable learning that when you're trying to get into long lead magazines, this is where you want to hire a PR expert who knows the process, has the national and international contacts to get that to the right person, because that can be part of the challenge is getting past the gatekeeper. So I would suggest that um, for authors listening, that if you can make it a goal for 2014 to look at what are the local, and by local, it could be your community or region, it could be your state or province, but what are your short lead magazines that are the perfect fit for what you're writing about and for the audiences that you want to get in front of, and then find out who is the, the publisher, the editor, who, editor-in-chief, whoever is the person that you send your query to or your pitch letter to, it usually says that right at the front of the magazine, and it'll explain their process, and it'll often do that on their website. And then I would say make that part of 2014's goal because magazines are a great way to build your platform, get your message out there, and build new audiences that you can share your how-to books with. Great. Now, you also mentioned, besides the, um, the magazines, you said um, associations. Yes, this is, this is gold. <laughs> One of the things that I've learned is that there is an association out there for everything. Uh, I actually just purchased a list. Now, this is a Canadian list, but I purchased a list. And this list, for example, has 19,000 associations in Canada. So this includes associations like the uh, College of Social Workers, the Association of Professional Accountants, the Association of Egg Producers, <laughs> the Association of Dog Walkers. I mean, there is an association for everything. Where associations become so helpful to you as an author is that most 
trade and professional associations all have a monthly meeting. It's part of what they provide to their members as a service or a benefit. Most of them have an annual general meeting that happens once a year, and many of them have a conference. This is great for you as an author because it gives you multiple opportunities to get your book, your message, or content out in front of the audiences, the associations that are the perfect fit for your book's message. And so, for example, if you're writing a book on leadership and you've got a how-to book on leadership, there are so many organizations that are dedicated, associations that are specifically for leaders. For example, there is the Young Presidents, YPO, Young Presidents Organization. 4-H does a lot of leadership training. So you could connect with that association to be able to speak at one of their monthly or annual events. You can find a way to work with them to use some of the content from your how-to book in their monthly newsletters or magazines. So again, that's more free promotion for your book's message. So you've spoken there, you're getting your content into their magazine or to their newsletter. You can also look at giving away your book to their members or selling it, depending on which business model you're on, but giving your book away as a gift for their members at the holiday season. Or if your book is about business at Small Business Week, whenever fits for you during the year. And the other great part is that many of these local associations are part of a national or international association. And there's an opportunity now for you to get your book and its message to a global level, not just a regional level. So associations are key. And how you start is simply Google the associations that are relevant to your book's genre and start local and span out from there. That sounds terrific. And that, not that hard. Not that hard. It takes a little bit of time. But I would say if we were going to look at Carrie Levine's amazing strategies and the three questions that, that she had in terms of measuring effectiveness, this would probably one be one that would be high on the time because, of course, you're Googling. If you can buy a list, I mean, the list that we bought was under $100. That was money well spent for 19000 associations, email, phone numbers, and name contacts. There are also lists on the internet that you can download for free. I just found two lists that had to do with colleges, universities, and high schools that I was able to download just by a Google search on the internet, and the whole database just came up, and I thought, ah, oh, this is gold. <laughs> this is definite bookmark material. I'm going to save right. this one. Perfect. So you can find it easily. And might be high on the time factor, low on the cost factor, but I think at the end, when you look at that at a year, researching associations and getting in front of them might be very, very good use of your time. Excellent. Very good. Now, we just have a little bit of time left. I know that you've been successful in selling your books in bulk, and I wondered if you could share some tips on how some of our authors could could do that. I love talking about this because I never knew this was possible. Here I was for so long in the one-to-one -one conversation, so giving my book or selling my book to one person at a time. And then the first bulk book sale that I organized was I was speaking for a women's conference. Um, many communities have annual women's conferences in the community. This was one example. So I talked, I just kind of off the top of my head thought, we should find a way to get all 300 women 
taking home a copy of my book that they didn't have to pay for. So I just kind of, it, I blurted it to the lady, the event organizer, and she said, oh, that's a great idea. Let me see what I can do. So I thought, well, this is great. She's going to take it on. I don't even know how, how to, I don't even have to know how to do this. In seven minutes, that's all it took from that phone call with her. In seven minutes, I got an email back and she said, Charmaine, we just had a local businessman buy 300 of your books to give everybody at the event. So 300 books were purchased, one phone call, one email, and I was doing a happy dance in my living room. <laughs> and wow. then I thought, well, and then I thought, I have more books. What else could we do? So I phoned her back and said, you know, rather than me selling books at the event, what do you think the potential would be of bringing in a few more sponsors to purchase my other two books? I, I other one book. I only had two books at that time. And she said, well, let me see what I can do. And someone had come into her office that worked for the government, and she was talking about this event that was coming up, explained that there was an opportunity for people to buy books to give to the audience and that we would actively promote them as a sponsor. And 10 minutes later, he emailed her back and said, the government is going to buy the other 300. Wow. So 600 books in 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Happy dance. Thought that, so I thought, we're on to something. How do we do this all the time? So now part of our systematization is any event that I'm speaking at, we always have the conversation with the event organizer about how could we get our book into the hands of readers so that they didn't have to pay for them um, by other people or them buying them. Sometimes the event organizer will just say, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll buy them from you and put them in their swag bag. The other way that we found that uh, last Christmas, we had one of our corporate clients who had read one of our how-to books, the one that I don't have for sale on Amazon. They And the presentation I did was about that book. She said, we want to give, since our team already has that book, you have other books. And of course, I said, why, yes. And she said, well, we'd like to buy a copy of your book for everyone in this government department. That was 100 books um, for Christmas. So holiday sales are another way that we can sell books in bulk. And the third way is that some speakers actually wrap that fee of the books into their speaking fee, so everyone leaves, leaves with a copy of books. And the other way is that you can research the events that are happening in your community or even beyond your community where your book would be a good fit. You don't have to be the speaker there. You could phone up the event organizer and say, I've got a book that I think is perfect for your audience. How could we work together to get this book into the hands of your audience as a gift at the event? So it's a way of getting your books out there, sold if your books are for sale, if they're giveaways, a way of getting your book into the hands of new audiences by researching events and be having your book become part of that event. Terrific. Excellent ideas. <laughs> The to-do list is probably growing for some listeners. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, for this one in particular. <laughs> well, Charmaine, thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful tips with us today. You've given us some great information to move the needle forward in 2014. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking this time to be with us. Oh, thank you. I love talking about this. I get pretty excited. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some ideas that I know work and will definitely help authors.
I did, do want to remind everybody that we have another teleseminar com coming up in January, on January 22nd at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Our speaker will be Dr. Mark Kaufman, who's a psychologist, a best-selling author, and a videographer. Mark is going to talk about the power of using video to promote your book and how he used video to achieve the bestseller status for his book. So be sure to tune in on January 22nd. Thanks again, Charmaine, and I hope everybody has a happy holiday. Thank you. You too. Take care.